the NFL Podcast is biting kneecaps 24-7. From the Chris Wesley Podcast Studio, it's around the NFL, the flagship program, Sunday night. We here now, Dan Hansis, Heroes, Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and boys, you know, Omicron, that's going next level. Feels like we are this close to another global shutdown. I get very nervous about that on a number of levels. Um, this whole place, this building feels like a ghost town, and this the NFL is not alone. It's happening everywhere as uh, people are kind of going underground as this virus is mutated into something very dangerous. Uh, but the big story right now, I think, is the long-simmering analytics culture war uh, <laughs> that is really now coming to a boil uh, within the football cognoscenti. And this week has been a big one because it started with Thursday and Brandon Staley saying, I hate field goals. I only want to score touchdowns and all the drama around that on Thursday. Then it comes around to Sunday, the late game with John Harbaugh for the second time in three weeks going for two down one and once again failing. We're going to get to that game. But it feels like you're either on this side or the other side. I even could draw some parallels, Mark, to the political climate of this country a few years back, where it's getting more and more angry. A few years. And I I, I think what makes this even more fun, that we have Greg on one side of this battle, me and you maybe on the other, uh, maybe you on the fence a little bit more, Greg, Mark, and uh, that's going to cause some spicy tension in the studio (laughs) all throughout the episode. I I agree with you 100%. I I think it's like I look at all the stuff that creates the – decisions that are being made and, and like it's the way that we played like Madden and Tecmo Bowl growing up where you just never punted you went for it and like all of it lines up and makes sense and the numbers like there's reasons that analytics is blowing up all of that agreed with I, I think sometimes for me it's just like you can't even look at what happened at the end of the Green Bay Baltimore game which we'll get into um, and even make a comment about it you just have to say yes that's all I mean, you do if you, if you have a <laughs> comment you make it don't be afraid I mean, it's not you're afraid, afraid Greg to... it's because, because when the climate is as it is it's like there's a it's group true. of smart people and a group of like lumbering oafs lumbering oafs if you, if you in any way dunderheaded right. people that don't Mute get from it the, from yesteryear but it's not it's not that it's just that I think it's a, there, it is a place where there could be debate not about what is the more mathematically probable situation but just other elements of it. Feel the game. I, I really we're at like the how game. Dan got us into this. It's like, hey, Omicron <laughs> on fire this week. And you know what else is on fire? <laughs> Analytics. I mean, but see, I'll get, the, I'll get the tweets like, Sessler doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a dinosaur. It's like, I am telling you, I agree <laughs> I with think, all elements of analytics. Me, but I'm just saying that the, you're not even allowed to have a discussion. No, of course you are. Like, we should have it. And I would say, like, I think what you're reacting to and what I do, too, is like the discourse is tiring in theory. Bingo. Right, but then but then just don't just try to ignore it, I guess what I would I say. am bathed in it. Twenty four <laughs> try to ignore like what? have your own there's like, football game on every night of the week now. <laughs> there's right. an annoying You don't have to watch you don't have to like, Yes I do. You, you mute mute the Twitter. I'm it's, saying like it's, it's become annoyingly omnipresent as a discussion if you cover the sport now. And I do get the feeling for it's a perfect example. So I thought I was I thought they should have kicked that extra point. Baltimore this in this game three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I thought they should have went for two. But for some reason, you're not really allowed to take it 
game by game or moment by moment. It has to be all this way. I think always that's a straw go for man, it. Though. You, you keep saying like you're and not if you don't, to, you can say whatever you want. If you can back up whatever you want to say and like stand behind it, it's not a big deal. It's a football opinion. It's like any football opinion. I just feel like you get, like you get labeled. This feels different to me than just a football opinion. It does. You get, you get labeled an SP uh, to use Scientology parlance. Uh, you're a suppressive <laughs> person thing, that though. needs to be reeducated. But this this decision, <laughs> this is where so I guess true. I would think you guys are off with this because in this decision, I would say I know the, I'm off with this. I'm an SP. I'll, I need no, to be what I'm saying is all the analytics people are going against each other because the, Ooh, num- I like that numbers wise. This this decision was far from clear. The numbers would have said to kick it. It would not have said to go for it necessarily. Harbaugh was kind of doing what you're saying is he was feeling like the flow of the game and he was looking at other factors that don't go into the number. And he was just saying like, I, I like Tyler Huntley right now. You know, I like going for it, even though the numbers would say I should kick it and trust my defense here. I don't really trust. And it. not to get down that wormhole, but yes. you are right Why because not? well, because we, we haven't. Even, we'll get into that game, but they lost a 13.9 percentage of win probability <laughs> according to Next Gen stats, not Next Gen Mark. Um, <laughs> when they when they went for the two point, and I think the last time they did it, his reasoning because their secondary was shattered and it's still a mess. We get okay. that made sense. We'll, we'll get into let's the game. get into it. Yeah. Do you do you see Mark and I as SPs? No, I don't okay. even I, – I think this, it's, it's straw, man. It's, a change is uncomfortable. You know what I'm looking no, forward but see, to? You're though? suggesting that change is uncomfortable to Mark and Dan, but Greg right. is no. beyond the and curve. And the other fools. No, I'm saying, like, think of the Bill Belichick decision. I go back to this a lot going for it with the lead on fourth down against the Colts. That, was, that stopped football for weeks. Now, that was a unique game. It was a big game. Those sort of decisions now happen – fairly routinely, and it doesn't really stop football. I think this last week and certainly this season has has been kind of a watershed moment of guys going for two. And whether that – I don't think there's going to be a – not everyone's going to be Harbaugh and Staley. They're getting the heat because they stand out. There's not that many coaches like them. But more and more, this is what football is going to be like more and more. And so the reaction's not going to be it, quite as much. It's just going to be part of it. I think kids growing up – watching now they're just going to get used to like that going for two is part of the game and it's, it's not, not just going for two it's, yeah. the, fourth it's, down it's stuff. the fourth down stuff right, too. Right. it is it's become the situation where i think you know this is a copycat league also and i think beyond just what their analytics departments are telling them now all the like quote-unquote top coaches all are consistently going for it as well so i think it's caused this chain reaction where everyone goes for it except for you know bill belichick i think Belichick's well, a great this? example because he is the most conservative coach in the league this year, and he plays to what his team is. In, in the past, we'll he's been like as too. aggressive as ever. Trivia question. Yes. First two-point conversion in NFL history. 1994, how did it happen? Kevin Mack running no. over the Mr. Brown. Conservative Bill Belichick shooting Tom Tupa, their punter, right into pay dirt. Ooh, like that. Maybe you're not an SP. I'm not an SP. I, I enjoy debate from, you know, whoever. Let's get Most into – all the games, uh, and remember, it's not all the games of the week, not even close to it. We got two on Monday, we got two more on Tuesday, but we had 10 to dive into today and another one to go through from Saturday night. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But let's start, yes, with the game that we've already been arguing about. Hit it, Ricky. Green Bay's lead is one, 31-30. Can the Packers get one stop here on a two-point conversion? Motion from a tight end to the wing of the left side. Huntley in the shotgun. Latavius Murray to his right. Snap to Huntley. Rolls right. Throws right side of the end zone. And it's incomplete. Incomplete. Right corner of the end zone in front of the pylon. And 
incomplete. The Packers are going to hang on and win this game. Yes, Wayne Larravee with the call WTMJ. John Harbaugh did it again. For the second time in three weeks, the Ravens scored a touchdown in the final seconds, then opted to try for the two-point conversion for the win rather than the game-tying PAT. And for the second time in three weeks, Baltimore walked away with a stomach-punch defeat. 31-30, Packers hold on just barely. And, um, Mark, this is a game, Lamar Jackson out with a sprained ankle. It's the first game he's missed due to injury in his career. He's missed a couple games due to illness. Uh, And Tyler Huntley really played well and brought this team back uh, from a 31-17 deficit. And just the the fact he had two rushing touchdowns where he just stayed cool under pressure, saw a running lane, took it, scored once, scored again in the fourth quarter. And that, I guess, emboldened John Harbaugh to say, I know it's not Lamar here, uh, but I trust this guy to win this game. It didn't work out, but really a nice performance by Huntley. And, oh, by the way, the Packers uh, clinched the NFC North with that win. Well, they've showed total faith in Tyler Huntley. And, I, you know, this is there's a lot of pressure on that entire offense because you're playing the Packers. You don't have Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters is out of the mix. Jimmy Smith tested positive for COVID. Their secondary was totally shattered, which I think, again, like that last game where John Harbaugh made that decision at the end, contributed again to this. It's like, do you really want to tie the game and give Aaron Rodgers um, less than a minute um, of regulation and then potentially the first possession in overtime? So I get all that. Um, I look at the Ravens overall, who've got like 18, 19, 20 guys missing every game. That were this another organization, another team, their record would be reversed. I know they're out of the playoff mix right now. I fully trust that they'll get back in it. Fully? Uh, well, you know what? I Every time I say that, it goes south. I, I play strong, the Ravens I next strongly week. trust. I mean, the, they play the Bengals next week, which will you know, basically decide for that week who's ahead in AFC North. If they lose that one, they, they're in real trouble. Well, then they have the Rams and the Steelers. So yeah. fully, let's re- let's strike fully from the record. But they are as re- resilient a team in, as around. And, uh, See, I helped it, you out there. I know it's been a bit of a, a take I, slump I you've been in lately. I cannot believe that I am even talking about anything at this point. It's just been a nightmare. But um, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't be shocked if that Steelers game still has meaning in Week 18. Oh, I, yeah, I fully expected to. This was an amazing performance by the Ravens to be down that many players. I mean, you just mentioned their entire starting secondary. Oh, right. yeah, by the way, Chuck Clark, uh, Deshaun Elliott, like their safeties who were so good. Like none of their starting safe, their starting group was around except for Tavon Young, their slot quarter, who leaves this game with a concussion. So that's, I think, part of the equation in deciding to go for two. This was not a game with a lot of possessions. Each team only had eight possessions in this game, and yet look at the score, 31-30. to 30. So I think what you said, Mark, was, was well said, was that there was a chance here, you know, uh, a 75% chance, if you wanted to go for the numbers, that the Packers were going to get two possessions before the Ravens got any. You know, they, they knew that they were going to get 40 seconds left to go kick the field goal. That's why I figured he would kick the extra point. You know, I, I assumed that the Ravens would just take the tie because either way, the, the Rodgers can go get the game-winning field goal, and that should be some enough time for Rodgers to do it. So you might as well just tie it and not, not risk missing the two. Uh, but he just, I think, thought, like, let's go win it now. We don't want to play any more football because we're the inferior team. That's also a lot of trust in Mason Crosby, who's been like a hot and cold semi-nightmare. I just thought it felt a little different because they did get the stop that preceded the t- the second touchdown, 
and they were at home and they were just it seemed like the momentum was on their side. But you know what? It didn't work out. And you know what annoys me? We just had that long conversation and Ricky just sent me this tweet from Scott Zolak. This is exactly what I'm talking about. LOL, 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 shove your analytics. <laughs> oh, and two Baltimore, LOL, LOL. I mean, this is like the uh, the capital riots uh, portion of our side of the of the battle here. That's the SP. Yeah, these are the people. Th- these are the That's people. The problem. When you look around and you're in, in, in some sort of argument and, on Twitter and you're like, wait, why is this guy on my side? Yeah, that that's <laughs> that's not good. Uh, we try to separate from that because, again, I don't think um, – I thought it was a smart – well, ballsy decision in both cases, but really smart to do it the first time. This time it felt a little bit reckless and almost like, I don't know. It's like if you are, if you view yourself as a Super Bowl contender, as a big AFC team, a team that's a division leader in that moment, maybe put some faith in your entire team there to to get it done rather than what felt to me a way to steal a win. Um, that's just how it ca- kind of came off to me, like maybe a, a minor crisis in confidence. Like, oh, wow, we might actually be able to steal this thing and get out of here uh, rather than saying, okay, we've taken control of this game. Let's right. go win it. I, I guess that's kind of where I came I from. I guess I think that's why in 20 years it won't be as big of an argument because to me it's still, it still is trusting your team to win. You know, it's trust- That Zolak thing's annoying right. me, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. But, like, I, I think if you just change your perspective a, a little, it's like it's trusting our team to go win. By scoring the two points. It's just a different way to try to go win. The the annoying thing, and I'm with you, Mark, on this, is that after these games, the entire 60 minutes gets boiled down to that one decision. And number one, it's crazy that the Ravens like are in this game at all. Like that they that the Packers blow this lead. Uh that the Packers should have put up thirty one points and they did. The surprising part is that they're giving up so much yardage to Mark Andrews over and over and over. Uh, obviously, they didn't have an answer for Huntley. Like, they didn't adjust. Like, that was, that was surprising to me to give up 30 points to the Ravens. It is a reminder that, you know, with the possible exception of the Patriots, even the teams that we pump up as big defenses, they seem susceptible week to week to having letdowns. Um, and that's kind of how I saw this game. They had a chance to close it out, and they were few- they repeatedly failed down the stretch well, there, but Rogers but, needs his tackles back. It's not just Bakhtiari; it's Billy Billy Turner's out too. And Bakhtiari was practicing a little more this week, so that'd be good. And they might get those two back. That's that's been a, a big problem for them. He was under a lot of pressure today. They early in the fourth, they were averaging over nine yards per play on first mm. down. Green Bay. I mean they they were doing fine. And we'll get to the Cardinals in a, in a few minutes. But with this win, a Cardinals loss. Of course, the Packers have a tiebreaker, individual head-to-head tiebreaker on the Cardinals. Things are shaping up very well for Green Bay. I just wanted to – I wish uh, we could go back. I remember Tyler Huntley, preseason star. I talked him up one of these episodes way back in August. Sometimes the preseason matters. Preseason's back, baby. This guy – he w- he was, I think, the number one ranked PFF guy in the preseason. He went undrafted. He's a second year player. I remember see- seeing all these tweets, like, or I saw a couple. It's like, ooh, where will Tyler Huntley be starting next year? Like, he's not starting anywhere. He's got to be the backup for the Ravens for two more years. They know what they got. This is amazing to to hit on a guy undrafted that's this good. This early, like he has been pretty good in all of his starts and his relief appearances. Are, are you? Hinting at some QB drama. In no, Baltimore. not Ooh, at take all. that, Greg. <laughs> I go did, down that road. See I did. I did see some of those tweets too. It's like, oh, they're, they're like they're better with Tyler Huntley right now. I mean, but they they have moved the ball better the last a, six quarters. They're yeah. a well-run organization, so it does not surprise me that they've now developed a really good backup quarterback. That's why they're always good. They just know what they're doing. But 
it doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs this year because right now they sit, Mark, in the eighth seed. I believe the eighth. And by the way, does not qualify you. It does not. I'm sure time. in two years there'll be 11 teams from both conferences making the playoffs in 26 <laughs> regular season games. But uh, all that's right. for then. So, yes, that's a, that's a big game uh, atop the NFC standings with Green Bay getting another win. Let's now look to the top of the AFC standings where the Patriots were looking to get back into that one spot on Saturday night. Let's go back in time. Wentz under center. Hands off to Taylor. Taylor, big run. He's at the 45, 50, 40, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. Touchdown! Jonathan Taylor, 67 yards to the house. J.T. Payton. Great call by Matt Taylor, WFNI. Bill Belichick will take away your best weapon. Well, not when Jonathan Taylor is involved. The star running back danced through a loaded box and took it to the house. A 67-yard rush. The clincher in a 27-17 win over the Patriots in front of a raucous home crowd at Lucas Oil Stadium. That was a great home crowd. I don't know if it's Saturday night. Probably was. Holidays. People maybe on vacation even with all this crazy stuff going on. Getting a little loose. Having fun. Great vibe for a game. Anyway, Greg. That's the end of the seven-game winning streak for the Patriots, who couldn't quite dig themselves out of a deep hole of their own making. As for the Colts, they belong in that AFC contender conversation. Yeah, they're eight and six. They got a big Christmas Day game against the Cardinals, which is really interesting. Like they're mm. they're a team that's tied for that last spot, and yet it feels like they're about as good as any team in the AFC. I think it's all very even at the top, and the reason they got out to that big lead was both lines really won. I mean, especially the. Colts defensive line, which is not something that we've talked a lot about this season. I thought in the first 20 minutes of the game, and that's basically when it was won, they were darting into the backfield and stopping runs. They were harassing Mac Jones, and they discombobulated and forced a lot of penalties from the Patriots' offense, whereas the Colts' offensive line on the flip side was very cohesive, pushed Patriots up front around. It's just a couple long drives, but that's sort of how the Patriots try to win. And when your team is based on, like, not making the big mistake and just playing smart, well, when you have a bunch of penalties, you lose the turnover battle 2-1, to one, uh, and you get a punt blocked, uh, th- then you lose. Like, the margin for error for, like, a team like the Patriots is, is a little bit smaller. And it was surprising to see both lines get handled early before they kind of settled down in the second half. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it harked back a little bit to some of the up-and-down play from New England before the win streak. And, you know, I think they both want to do the same things, these two teams. And, yes, you're right. Like, Bill Belichick wants to take away your best player, and he couldn't do it last night. Um, I thought the Colts and Frank Reich were much more successful at that. Are they imperfect? Yes. Are they scared of anyone? No. It had massive game-of-the-year energy because I think the Colts – uh, went in with this with a great plan, which speaks to their coaching, and trusted their players to go out and dominate. In the defense, to me, what they were able to do to New England early on, especially against the run, was they just took New England's identity away a little bit. Yeah, like, I thought that was interesting. The, this is a 20 nothing game after three quarters. I think New England did miss Damian Harris and the physicality he brings to their running attack. And I also, it's a weird game because um, I came out of it actually feeling, as weird as it sounds, a little better about the Patriots and maybe a tiny bit worse about the Colts, if that makes sense. Because, like, with the Patriots, sure, they they failed to execute 
Um, they get a uh, a punt block. That's the third time this year. Uh, they give up a touchdown that way. Uh, I think it was Jamie Collins has a potential pick six go through his hands. You have Mac Jones who throws two picks, including one in the red zone. And yet they get off the mat. And so many, and I, I've seen this up close with my team so many times, so many t- when you have a rookie quarterback, when things kind of snowball against you for a couple quarters uh, or a r- couple really bad drives in a row, you just lose that guy for the game. And it's just like, uh, you know, it's a growing uh, growing game for a rookie QB like Mac Jones. So for him to get off the mat and really thrive and get them back in the game, I was like, okay. Th- I mean, he's already wearing big boy pants. And then on the on the Colts side of the ball, you cannot – you cannot watch that game and see what happened with Carson Wentz when he throws that interception at the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, when it's 20-7 to and then see how Frank Wright calls the rest of that game and not see it as a direct, uh, a direct uh, viewpoint that he doesn't trust his quarterback. He was not going to let Carson Wentz ruin this game for him, and that's something to keep an eye on because Wentz had a chance to really bury the Patriots, and after Reich saw that pick, he was like, no, man, i got to give it to Taylor no matter what. Well, the best version of the Colts is to get out the way they did, let guys like Darius Leonard make plays, let the defense line, the line basically shut down anything else you know an opponent wants to do, and then ride Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that hasn't – that. They've gotten up big in these games. They right. did they're, that against the Ravens. They're kind of terrible the when they have big leads, though. That is their mo. Like, well, then it, this was a this. They turned the corner in this game from a Colts angle. I mean, they they. But they got tight with one, their play calling. I thought when they had a chance to put it away, and you could kind of feel it, the tension building, and they almost they went from twenty nothing to twenty seventeen, and giving it to Jonathan Taylor with a stacked box, and he just happened to make an amazing play. I think this game could have very easily swung all the way over to the. They Pats got side. close. I mean, I don't. I guess they don't trust Wentz. I hear that, but I mean, th- Wentz right. has been sturdy. In he a completed lot of games. five passes, and right, <laughs> and and all the games against good teams, they've had big leads and they've blown them and lost in the other three. This time they blow them, and Jonathan Taylor was incredible. You know, the thing that impressed me was before that big run, he go. You know, the first two runs of that driver up the middle for a first down. You know, the Patriots know the run is coming, and even in the. In the fourth quarter, I think with nine minutes left, they got two first downs by not being aggressive. So that that was impressive by the offensive line. But on that game-winning play, Dante Hightower and Devin McCourty are in the hole unblocked. Mm. It wasn't. It was. It's not even the offensive line. It's just Jonathan Taylor being awesome. Uh, and and I'm with you. I thought uh, Dan that that was. You don't want to lose, but that was a good experience for Mac Jones sure. and the offense, I think, to be put in that position and, and respond the way. And I think um, – And the defense, for that matter, because the defense, after the first quarter, held up terrific. Uh, they were put in some terrible spots until that one play, basically. They had, they had shut him down. Quick aside for the um, media side of things, I think Greg Olson is coming for Tony Romo. Coming hard. He's closing fast. I thought it was very interesting – the way he explained how Jonathan Taylor makes guys miss in the hole, that he actually sets guys up in ways that makes him think he's going one way. and he, It's just like he's playing the game at a higher level than most running backs. I thought that was really interesting, and that's, I'm sure, a skill he used to get away from those two defenders there. Um, he had 7.7. He averaged 7.7 yards per carry hmm. between the tackles, Olsen, and the Patriots knew it was coming. Olsen might be number one right now. I don't know. I mean, but Kevin Burkhart, by the way, knows friend of the show. Awesome too. Incredible, nice yeah. They're great. Nice and Darius Leonard, like those two interceptions that Mac Jones threw, those were incredible plays. The, the Leonard play mentally and physically, and then the Okariki play was that. I mean, those were incredible plays by athletic. What about the throw like, across give, his body under loves. duress to Hunter Henry? I mean, it's, you don't come out disliking either team, but I do dislike something that happened 
in this game. I don't know why I need to bring it up, but I lost my lock on this, <laughs> and I'm tired of it. This this week, this tough. week of football has been That's tough, bro. An ill treat. <laughs> I'm a half game up now in the battle with the Vikings up ahead. Now you got to root for the Bears on Monday night. How much worse can it get for you? No, I'm not going to be. I I'm just going to sit back and watch. Let life unfold. I, I thought you meant like Carson once had five completions in the fourth quarter or the second no, half. The I didn't game, realize he was game. five for twelve. Right. Wait, what, why isn't why isn't Frank Reich a genius for like putting his quarterback and putting him on ice and giving it to his running back thirty times? Come on, I, and that's <laughs> not the same thing, and you know it. Right, and uh, not for nothing. You know, we talk a lot about fourth downs this week. And you didn't hear a lot of, like, holy cow, Frank Reich uh, blew the game because all those fourth downs he went for, including in his own end with the lead. Oh, wait, that's because he went three for three. And they won this game partly because he was aggressive on fourth downs late in this game. Well, you got to give Wentz the credit for those QB sneaks then because I think the Patriots yes. knew the second two were well, coming. Well, that dude is a tough we, MFer. He's a great QB sneaker. we got to move, but, like, speaking of being uh, – being very confident and being aggressive. I, I can't believe Bill kicked that field goal. Well, yeah, that was bad. Should have went for that. See, this isn't like Team Zolak over here. Not at all. I agree with you 100%. You go for it there. Right. Right. It's, it's that strange, put him too. in a really bad spot. Yeah, it was really strange. I think he, he thought the flow of the game, he trusted his defense too much. It's strange because in the past, Belichick's been one of the most aggressive guys going for it. Right. But he's clearly surprising. coached differently this year yeah. uh, with this quarterback and, and defense. And just the – it was fourth and goal at Indy's seven-yard line, and it was – You tw- need touchdowns. It was 20-7, to seven, and he opts for the field goal. He makes it 20-10, but then Indy has a five-minute drive that's fruitless. They punt it, but by the time New England gets it back, they're down by 10 with only – 348 to go. So it didn't work. They needed a three and out, basically. We're separatists. We're not SPs because I think okay. we don't we don't exist in this box where no matter what, I'm a robot that says you must do everything aggressively. Or do I do I live in 1978? Okay. Perhaps we're, we're, we're moderates. We're yeah, moderates. But this is what yeah. I'm this is what I'm saying. I, I like that move by Belichick at all. I right. feel like I'm a moderate too, then by that. I, I don't think there's that many people in either camp. There are the Zolaks and there are a couple of... He, he's at the Capitol. Right. There's a couple of members of football <laughs> Twitter. There's a couple of members of football Twitter um, who are like no context uh, analytics guys. But I actually think most of the people who are kind of pro analytics are all about context and the situation depends. Are you, you know reaching I mean? over from the other side of the aisle? I'm, I am. I want, right. I want us Let's to be a better oh, We're country. in the aisle. I want we're in the aisle. How about a Roman handshake? Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> <laughs> We're in this together. All right, let's uh, let's move back to Sunday. Oh, this is annoying for you, Mark. Oh, and a little bit for everyone. All right, let's take a break, and then we will continue on the Sunday slate. Fourth down and seven. He gets a snap. He's back. He throws a pass, and it's pulled in, and that's going to be a tackle. Is it short of that lead stick? No way. No, he didn't make that first down marker. Well, Let's answer the question, Bradley Rogers. Is there space between the nose of the ball and the lead stick? No! Ball over on downs! <laughs> Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley with the call for WDVE. They call him Joe Money. Joe Hayden made a huge impact in his return to the lineup. No moment bigger than when he stuffed Nick Westbrook Aquinas. Inches short of a first down. Really, it was a half yard. It was a, a very... Uh, a very nice spot there for Tennessee to even make it close. But either way, he was short of a first down at the Pittsburgh 10 in the final second. Sealing a 19-13 win. Keeps the Steelers alive. Very much so. 
or perhaps undead, to put it a different way, in the AFC playoff picture. Um, you know, man, Pittsburgh, it's not pretty. It never is with them this season. Uh, but they do have a survivalist mentality and their defense on a day where the offense managed 168 yards total. Uh, the defense really stepped up, forcing four turnovers, three on consecutive Tennessee possessions in the second half. And that's just 10 days after they got whipped by the Vikings. And, uh, you know, so basically it was the defense and Chris Boswell being like under the radar, one of the very best kickers in the league, kicking four field goals in December in Pittsburgh. Uh, and that allowed the Steelers their second win over division leader in three weeks. So, um, Listen, let's hear from Big Ben, by the way, I, uh, just like where he's at, where the Steelers are at, and then we'll open up the conversation. You know, I think we, I think we still have a pulse uh, in this thing, so we'll see where it goes from here. Notice a little tell there. I think we still have a pulse. He's now winking. This is the zombie Steelers. And, Mark, they're not going to die. I know you wanted them dead, but it's not happening. <laughs> I didn't expect them to die this week necessarily. Um I thought one thing about the Titans. If you got last week's version of the Titans, and I know they played a a floating, wandering opponent in the Jaguars, but from their angle with a cobbled together offense. All right, Ben. I mean, I'm trying here. Like they they didn't turn the ball. They didn't give the ball away. They had three lost fumbles in a in an interception today, and I, this game was always going to be close. I, I was surprised that the Steelers were not favored in this. Looking at the personnel on Tennessee's offense, um, they were eventually by the. By game time, they were slight favorites. For what yeah, I just I'm not I'm not stunned to see the steel. This is sort of what they are, and I think they'll probably go like eight, eight and one, like I've been um, hoping. <laughs> but you've got to get two wins out of four. Here's the thing, I mean, it's going to be tough. You've got the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Ravens. So I, I totally see them as survivors that will go down again. I said that Ravens God, Steelers you, game will would be. Would you big. rule it out them winning two of those three though? Not I at all. Not at all. But because I think that the t- the league is essentially seventy eight percent totally middle of the road so, operations. Well, what about the AFC North? If they went if they win two of their final three and they go nine seven and one, that probably wins the AFC North. And they probably, which is, they've earned it. They've, they've earned, earned your division games. Yeah. Yep. But like, think about that because and I got a chance to watch this game. I don't know if you guys got good eyes on it yet, but. This does not feel like a team that's ready to to make a deep run in January or be taken seriously against the big team. And yet they do hang around and fight their way through these games. And there's something that's, again, like with John Harbaugh and the Ravens, uh, there is something to be said for the coaching that they do feel like they are maximizing their potential right now as as middling as that may be. It's great. I mean, if. I'm glad Mark didn't watch this game because I, I was here in the early session, and we'll get to the Cardinals, but it was a lot of stress. If he, if he was watching this closer, he would have seen a 23-yard field goal drive by the Steelers. This is all their, field, their yeah. scoring drive. A 39-yard touchdown drive. Then their final three drives. In the fourth quarter, they recover three straight fu- turnovers in Tennessee's end, and they get a total of two first downs in those three drives, kick field goals for all three. That is a crazy... Our defense is taking over and winning this game for us while the Titans are collapsing type of comeback. It is a T.J. Watt defensive player of the year type of game. In the first half, he had a, a play in the red zone uh, where he shut. He had a quarterback hit, forced fumble, I believe it was, shut down a drive there, got three quarterback hits in the game, a sack and a half. A lot of this was pressure, and 
it's these teams kind of being exactly who they've been all season. The ten- Tennessee has shut down the run. They kind of dominated up front. Like, they didn't give up many yards at all. Uh, but Tennessee, it just doesn't have any offense. And Julio Jones got hurt again with a hamstring injury again. Who it's knows? It's not going to happen with like, Julio right, Jones. That's, 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 these are who these plans teams have not been. Grave digger. Um, of course, of the Titans Film Room podcast. And by the way, just announced, you know how like in uh, on Saturday Night Live on Twitter, they'll show the little note cards like who's coming up in the future episodes? Always. Coming up on TNF and a huge TNF game uh, between the Titans and... The Niners. The Niners. Gravedigger will be sitting in with us on mic uh, to talk that game. Now, Gravedigger. Oh, wait. Wait, assuming his social calendar allows for such activity. None of that. Yeah, we're not. Oh. Yeah, we got to pull that. We He respectfully uh, made the request to stop talking about his private life because he's got something simmering. He's got something on the burner. And we have said, absolutely, respect you as a friend and as a colleague. So Thank we will you. not ask you about what's going on with that married woman. But what we will ask you is about ask you about is how concerned you are at this stage. That was a tough second half. And and if the if the story is overblown or is over-talked about as it is now, is like Ryan Tannehill's on an island and he's not good enough to make it make a difference, man, it really does check out when you watch these games. It's crazy. They had a 10-play span on offense where they turned it over three times. Oh. Like, that's unbelievable. And they did this in the two games against Houston and New England, the two games before the Jacksonville game, where they just kept turning the ball over. And it nine was, of them. Yes, nine in two games. And it was like, is this a fluke? Kind of like this. Nobody can turn the ball over this much. But is it because all the offensive players, skill players are hurt? And now that it's happened three times in four games, it's like, yes, it's I'm starting to think A.J. Brown is maybe like not just more valuable but like way more valuable to this offense than mm. Derrick Henry even is because right cuz they ran for 200 yards they did that against the Patriots right. too they ran the ball well a week ago they've run it fairly well even without Henry and yet oh my gosh their pass coverage uh seems to be getting problem more problematic by the week but i mean 168 yards <laughs> Pittsburgh had in this game the Steelers had I mean pass protection. For- oh, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. saying that Ryan Tannehill gotcha. took serious it- abuse a week ago, and the sacks are piling up, and it's just like it's not. It's why I don't you know. take them seriously. I mean, they could it's win fair. a they could win a playoff game because they're well coached and things can happen, but you're not going to win three with that offensive Aaron line Brewer in that got, pass protection. Aaron Brewer's the backup guard. He's kind of a swing guard, and he got worked in Roger Saffold's absence. They they did a pretty good job keeping T.J. Watt from making a lot of plays in the first half, but then in the second half, he was all over the place. So, I don't know. And if you're curious how Titans fans are doing, and they're very upset <laughs> because I had them at 12 in the power rankings this week, and, you know, they're probably not going to move up. Uh, one uh, such user tweeted at me after the game, I hope you have the decency when you do your rankings to understand that this is not the Titans team. Henry will be back. A.J. back next week. All caps now. Please do not put Colts ahead of them. That would be – that would be. Why un- does it matter to them so much? I mean, it's that, good for you. That would be unknowledgeable. Stop doing these rankings as with bias. Be a pro. <laughs> oh, Your Colts better be ahead that, of them. That's your Zolak. I'm sorry. That's not if you. If the Colts and Titans are playing uh, on, in a neutral field this week, Colts minus seven, I would say. All right. Gravedigger, hang in there, buddy. Gravedigger. Let's keep moving. Goff leans in, there's the snap, he's back. Goff looking, looking, throwing, deep right side, wants Reynolds, got him, end zone, touchdown Detroit Lions! Oh baby, what a dart! 
Kicked off to Reynolds, who got the inside position on Byron Murphy, and the Lions have found the end zone again. Oh, the bongos for the Motor City Kitty Cats. You have fun with your bongos. Con, con, con. You still like this Lions team, Mark? Like a week ago. Situationally. And what a voice on Dan Miller. It is good to be hearing him with some regularity regularity on the show. He's just good. WXYT with the call. Jared Goff is Cliff Kingsbury's kryptonite. The punching bag QB. Let's face it. That's what he's become in the last couple years. Lit up the Cardinals secondary for three touchdowns, including that 22-yard strike to Josh Reynolds. The Lions cruise to a 30-12 win over the Cardinals at Ford Field. Mark, your Cardinals had been unbeaten on the road. Your Cardinals have looked like the most balanced team in football. Your Cardinals are suddenly in some trouble here. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it raises some of the more esoteric questions that we had about teams like the Rams when they went through a rough patch. It's like, oh, the Cardinals in primetime games, uh, the lights are too bright. Uh, in, in, in playoff clinching scenarios under Cliff Kingsbury, they're 0 for 4 at this point. Um, this looked like one of those games where a good team – gets on an airplane, travels somewhere, and you can tell within eight or nine minutes mm. this ain't happening for them. And sometimes you jump the gun with that feeling, but this never got um, into questionable territory. And it, it for, we can get into the Cardinals part, but huge credit to Dan Campbell and the Lions. I mean, this was a team that going in did not have DeAndre Swift. Jamal Williams was out with COVID. TJ Hawkinson is out. They are playing with guys like Charles Harris on defense, who has been awesome as their first-round pick. Josh Reynolds, though, has has stepped up as a receiver. Guys like Craig Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown is really Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, they just. But if you look at the roster up and down, it's like, wait a minute, what? You get why they're. But this is is. why the story is about the Cardinals. Like to the Lions, it's like that's really they've showed a lot of positive signs the last few weeks, and Dan Campbell is such an upgrade. It seems over Matt Patricia, but to be as talent efficient as they are, to be as banged up as they are, <clears throat> and to blow out the Cardinals, like, I'm with you in that you can't overreact because like the Rams and so many other teams, there are times in a season where you go into a funk. I think that's where Arizona qualifies right now. I will say I am concerned about this Cardinals season without DeAndre Hopkins because he has now gone at least – till the NFC title game if they got that far. That was a report that came out today. So he's not coming back. Is this a situation where their offense is going to just struggle to score points uh, because they did the last two weeks? I want to see more because I feel like all these teams get this so-called mulligan scenario. Um, Maybe that's what this was, but I totally agree with you that DeAndre Hopkins, that his absence matters. Uh, They did not have Rodney Hudson. I think that was a factor today. Kyler Murray just missed throws. They, 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 they seem completely out of sync. They open mm. with three straight punts. Uh, they basically at one point had a fourth down pass knocked down. Uh, it was the, in the red zone. It was the Lions' first red zone stop all season. There was a terrible Murray interception where he was out of sync with a miscommunication scenario with A.J. Green, which has happened a couple times this year. They just don't – they did not seem to me like the well-oiled machine. It was really the defense, too, that got beaten up in this. I mean, Craig Reynolds, who is a, from the wilderness, undrafted back, and looks great two weeks in a row, ran through them. They, they dominated time of possession when it mattered early on, and they tired out Arizona by the end. So, yeah, I think it's fair to be like whenever a team that we're talking about as the best team in football gets conked out this way, that's, Lions, that's not good. It's yeah. not good. I mean, the Lions, though, are not the record. I think that we've, they, they tied the Steelers, they beat sure. the Vikings, and they're getting better each week. That's why I wanted to start with them because it's like – 
They can get lost in the what's the problem with Arizona. They made a problem for Arizona today, too. No, they, they're, that's a fair point. I feel like they're more of a four or five win team. You certainly would rather see the Giants on your, their schedule than, than them or many other teams with better records. That said, you're the Cardinals. You lose by 18, and the problems that they have are now becoming repeating problems. Number one, they have gotten pushed around in terms of their run defense, and now you have the Colts coming to town. So we'll get into that game later in the week. But that's that's been a problem. And then Hudson being out is huge, but their interior line in general has been uh, a, a problem lately, and especially when you've got you know, a shorter quarterback. That whole idea of Kyler Murray as the MVP, that, that is, uh, that is gone. long gone. Well, that's, that's, send that down the river. That's long gone. And um, Mark, <laughs> during this game, it was it – was, uh, I remember I said one of my favorite or surprising moments of the season was, was watching him <laughs> melt down when the Bengals were losing a couple weeks ago and was confused because he, yeah. was, he was mad about his take being wrong. It's a hot take apocalypse for Sessler right now. Which it's is strange, been a terrible week. Which is strange because if, like, <laughs> we would all be having apocalypses if I could even remember what my hot takes were. If, um, during this game, he said, he muttered under his breath, Uh-oh. you know, that cutting sort of mutter oh, yeah. where it could cut glass. Oh, I've heard it. I'm done rooting for any teams this year. <laughs> that was what. <laughs> and then there was oh, I multiple, you, multiple, I wrote it down multiple times. Um, <laughs> Oh God! There was, I think, oh God happened three times, and it was all Cardinals related. So, Cardinals well, fans, you got a man that has your back here in Mark says. Well, I look at it, it's like um, what I'm done with is pet teams. <laughs> yeah, I all think right? you said pet teams. That's I mean, right. it's like I grew up in a no pet household, and I'm back in a no pet household. I'm not clinging to anyone or anything at this point. I'm just gonna do the best I can from here to the end. That's good. <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> Um. All right. Well, oh, you. I, we should say the Cardinals started seven and zero, and now they've lost four of seven. And I know Patrick Claibon, one of our favorites and a um, <clears throat> honorary hero. If you're listening, Pat, listen to this quote very closely from tight end Zach Ertz. We can't let the we can't let this thing spiral. Momentum is real in the NFL, good and bad. It's coming from an NFL player, hey, from a champion. It's third and 12 from the Panthers' 20-yard line. Snap. Allen takes a look. Looks for Diggs. Now changes his direction. Fires straight down the middle. It is caught in the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. Gabriel Davis. Touchdown, Bills. A 20-yard strike from Josh Allen. John Murphy. WGR with the call. The copy here, John Murphy, Eric Wood. Eric Wood, I assume, the color guy. He is. But I former center. Ah, uh, yes. I thought for a second the man's name was John Murphy Eric Wood. That'd be, be a good one. A lot of names, but it kind of all it rolls off the tongue nicely. These people with multiple middle names. Like, J-M-E-W. Settle down, please, with yourself. Anyway, that was just J-M. I call him Murph. Josh Allen threw three touchdown passes, including that hookup with Gabe Davis in the third quarter. And the Bills snapped a two-game skid with a 31-14 win over the moribund Carolina Panthers. The win combined with a New England loss moves Buffalo back within a game of the AFC East lead with a massive Week 16 showdown on the horizon, and we'll get to that. But, Greg, we trusted Buffalo to handle Carolina and its broken offense, but how did the Brian Dable attack look here? They looked like they were working on the running game. It was almost like, okay, we get an early lead. Let's uh, let's see what we can do by giving Devin Singletary 22 carries. And it was okay. 
it was fine. Like, this was a game that he went 22 for 86 and a touchdown, so that's different than normal. But almost every other aspect of this game. That's gorgeous for this offense. Right. That, that's a fair point. Uh, and, and they moved the ball when they absolutely needed to. It was a little closer, I think, than the score indicated. The, the yards per play were pretty close throughout. It was a 10-point game, and the Panthers had the ball in the fourth quarter. Like, they, it wasn't too crazy. But almost everything that you would expect to happen in this game, like, happened. It was Cam Newton, you know, the poor man's Josh Allen now. I used to – I when Josh Allen came into the league, I called him the poor man's oh, man. Cam Newton. Full circle. Time and, is a flat circle. And they really are similar, I think. But Josh Allen is so much better, uh, obviously – now at throwing and running, I would say, but but especially at throwing, and he is approaching or passing as good as Cam Newton ever was in terms of just throwing the ball and, and making plays on his own. That Josh Allen did enough, and you got out of here with a pretty comfortable. A little bit deflating um, if you're a Panthers fan, I imagine, because when Cam came back and all the excitement around that, and it felt like he was going to kind of revitalize the whole operation, and then kind of reality sets in that 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 cam that you fell in love with that one MVP he's gone and the guy that's here parachuted into a very difficult situation uh not his playbook uh his doesn't have the same skill set and I guess I, every time I saw highlights on Twitter it was something like oh man the Panthers offense is terrible I, I saw so many of those things they ran today. I mean like cam like he's been okay for fantasy he has more rushing touchdowns this year than than like Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. Like he, he has a rushing touchdown every week. He goes 15 for 71, but their passing game is terrible. They passed it 42 times for a net of 124 yards. Oof. I mean, they. It, it's funny because Rule came in and he said, we're just going to run like crazy. They actually ran for 151. They were down two scores for much of this game, so it was tough to stay committed to the running game. Uh, but they were pretty good at running, and they hit Josh Allen a lot. That is my number one concern with the Buffalo Bills. It is not their defense, and it is not their running game. It is just their offensive line in general because when you combine a lack of a running game with not being able to protect Allen, that's problematic, and he had to really earn his 2-10 and 3 today. He was hit a lot of times by this Panthers team. They've got the Pats up next. Uh, I, you know, Every time I watch the Panthers, I feel like Matt Rule, his face on the sideline is getting more and more agitated with the concept of life, that he that is just not um, – this, this star has fallen so far – at this point, that the cam is back stuff from a couple of weeks ago feels like a strange dream from early autumn. It, it's going to be interesting and a lot of fun to watch the Bills and and Pat's rematch. That I feel like that's. I think for you, the best thing that could happen for you in the world would be the Bills to drop a bomb on New England, and it would confirm kind of everything that you have been trumpeting about the Patriots <laughs> of late. I am not. Did cons- you hear I- my analysis of their performance on Saturday night? I came away impressed by them. I wasn't I dancing did, on their grave. I think it's, I think it's, um, it's next level in this psych <laughs> warfare that we have going on to use that space where they lost yeah. to praise them. Well, if that mm, cap- that's a Belichick move too, praise them when you lose and and hard hard on them when they win. That's wow, the that's Belichick interesting. Move. Um, I just wish that my favorite team isn't. Uh, losers of 25 of 30 since week one last week, so last year. So if I could find something to root for and be happy, okay, I guess it's rooting against the Patriots. But I, ju- I just want to see how the Bills react now 
three weeks after the events of uh, that Monday. Because well, how much it, do you take from this game? I think I don't right. know. I got to see the offense how it looked, but it doesn't seem like it was uh, locked and loaded again. So no, it was fine. It was what you expected. I didn't change my view in either way. It also was a very much a veteran team taking care of business as that's what we asked for. This Bills game though next week, we said it. How the division's not over. Patriots lose. Bills win this week. Now they're only one back. Uh, if the Bills could win next time out, they uh, they get four and two in the division. They, then it comes down to like the Patriots having to beat Miami and getting the other tiebreaker. And I'm not sh- at this point. I think the Huge. Patriots would have the edge, but it gives the Bills a real chance to win the division. Well, the Bills would have the Falcons and Jets to close the season, so right. that is a dangerous matchup. There you go, uh, Ricky. By the way, I just want to circle back. We had the. Um the the lock of the Patriots that didn't work out mm. for Mark, but you had locked against the Patriots. Does that? But do you get the lock sound or do you get the sad horn? No, because I locked the Colts technically. Right, but so didn't we standings wise? Weren't we thinking that when you do the reverse lock, you should get credit for losing, but be penalized for winning? Yeah, I don't know where we. So actually... you took the L, I think. Ultimately, I definitely did. I definitely did. And the listeners were great letting me know on Twitter that I lost <laughs> that, the, that I lost my streak. What do you think? What's our official ruling? Is she getting credit for wins or losses? It's very these? convoluted yeah, now, especially now. I, I think had she had the streak continued, we'd be on to something. I think we're just in media low, low the low the low part of mediocrity at this point. I mean, I think it was like six in a row locking against right. the Patriots. So I either the winning six. streak ended or the losing streak. I. It's tough. I don't think, yeah, you can't get credit because some of those times, oh, wait, they were always locked against. It's right. Fa- you're getting credit for a win when the Patriots were, like, out of the number range, right. for instance. So that also would be confusing. She was veering towards, you know like, I mean? purity yeah. in terms of defeat. It's, it's very and, mine, mine. And you mine had mine. a lock-off win over Mark, but was it really? It was kind of a lock-off law. I mean, right. you're kind of operating on a different level than the rest of us right yes. now. We're just trying to play catch-up. Yeah, it's tough. All right. To be fair, she only switched to that strategy because she was in a hole. I mean, Greg, you don't need yeah, to don't exacerbate need it, the situation. <laughs> we don't need it. I'm right. just saying. We don't need your was it like week two your man spreading. Point. Okay. Like we don't two. need this I toxic mean, masculinity. Ricky's just doing her best here. I mean, I'm not. I'm I'm right there near the bottom. Hey, we got your back, Rick. Thanks. Don't worry. <laughs> um, all right, we got to take a break, right? Yep. All right, then we'll be back. The Bengals don't huddle. They snap it to Burrow, throws downfield for a wide-open boy, catches at the 30, great yeah. jump cut, back toward the middle of the field yeah. to the 10, the nice. 5, touchdown! Nice. Bengals, <laughs> a 56-yard answer, Joe Burrow to Tyler Boyd, that's and like, the Bengals are back in front. That's me doing color commentary. Nice! <laughs> nice! Looks good! That reminds me of a guy I used to work with. Um, his response to anything was just, ah, oh, Nice! <laughs> It's good if you get paid for it. Uh, That was Dan Horde and Dave Lapham, WKCY. Uh, Thank God this game had that play because there wasn't much else to get juiced up about. Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense was silent on Sunday in Denver. That is until Burrow connected with Taj Boyd. Nice on the 56-yard touchdown that allowed Cincy to escape. Ricky, can we isolate that? Nice for future Bengals talk. Uh, escape town with a 15-10 win over the Broncos. Greg, uh, it's hard to feel like we could trust the Bengals even after this win, but, I mean, this is a first-place team. Sure, it, and that's good. Go get a win. It doesn't really impact how they're going to play next week, but I don't want to hear that this is some sort of great Zach Taylor moment. Nice. 
I mean, they, they had 12 first downs and 249 yards in this game. You you got the job done. The defense made it stops against Drew Locke when they needed to. Teddy Bridgewater left this game. Uh, scary. Yeah, with a really scary hit. Body wasn't moving, but they did say he had a uh, feeling in his extremities and it was a concussion or they were checking for a concussion uh, and he was in the hospital being checked at. So the, the Bengals got it done, but my focus here is, you know, as it often is on game management. Vic Fangio's <laughs> terrible at it. Broncos fans know. You know, sometimes, like, you, we can get lost in the game management, and that's not the most important thing. And in this game where so little happened, give Joe Burrow credit. Makes a nice third and ten play on their last offensive drive under pressure, getting hit to Tyler Boyd. Great job. You know, kept the jet drive going. He made a couple clutch plays. Okay. <laughs> Fangio blew six points. A six-point swing at the end of the first half and then totally mismanaged the clock. Not that Drew Locke was probably going to do it at the end, but they could have had two minutes <laughs> for Drew Locke at the end of the game. And instead, they, he he just wasted 40 seconds in the, in the sequence at the end of the first half where he ended up allowing the Bengals to get three points instead of being aggressive and getting the three points. I could really break it down. Play by play, if you guys want, but I don't think you want to hear it. It's like it's just annoying. I just like I like knowing that you could, if you wanted to. That shows me that you're locked in on this game. And like they were so, con- they were setting he's up. He's doing it. Okay, they were setting up for a long field goal at the end of the first half. They were not trying to move the ball down the field. A guy goes out of bounds with 17 seconds. For some reason, Fangio takes a timeout, even though the guy was out of bounds. And instead of doing whatever they could, which they easily could have, it was a third and one to make sure if you were going to be conservative to bleed the clock out. That they throw a pass, they don't get it. They end up kicking a long field goal. Then they play this terrible, like way too safe defensive coverage, which just let Joe Burrow get twenty yards to kick their own field goal. That was a six point swing, and the whole drive leading up to that was mismanaged. And me and Broncos Twitter were first guessing as it was happening. So that's like a little six point swing in such a close game. And then at the end, he took this timeout before the two minute warning, where if you are a guy who plays Madden or whatever, you just knew. That Fangio or a girl or a girl like wasted 40 seconds like he could have had 40 seconds more. And the Broncos, if you're going to be a defensive team, I've been ranting too long. But if you're going to be a defensive team that was is trying to play in these types of games and I think Fangio finally has the defense he wants playing, then you got to be able to win on the margins like that. And he's terrible at that. Here's my question, because we're we're nearing the end of year three with Vic Fangio. And I think we get what he brings defensively, and there's he's unique and on that front. I mean, Brandon Staley loves him for multiple reasons. Why isn't there someone else, like, well, I'm wondering just, is there someone in the ear of Fangio or in general saying, this is not your skill set, we'll take over these decisions. Is, why is Fangio making these decisions when he's been proven to be an utterly subpar time game manager? The game's moving fast. I don't know. Yeah, but it's like either he can, hasn't put someone it, in position to it help. It feels him. like in 2021, it's Shermer it's too so, how they approach that drive. It's Teddy a little bit too in terms of the you know how lackadaisical it was. But it almost felt like that's how they were coaching it. But it was more the the use of the play calling when there was 17 seconds too to throw a pass there, not like foreseeing that exactly what happened. And it it honestly felt like whoever's winning six three at halftime is going to win this game because there's so little offense. Every once in a while on the show. <laughs> you have a, a summertime take that you get locked into and you end up saying it repeatedly and then it becomes a thing and then the fans get on you repeatedly. And me being against Drew Locke was something that brought much derision from Denver, what do they call themselves, Broncos Nation? 
I don't know. Do they have a thing? I'm sure some use that term. The Broncos wagon. They killed me on Twitter for weeks, and then I just I, we fast forward to the present, and Drew Locke was is not the guy. That this off season or la- last off season? Yeah, West pushed back to, uh, for you a little bit. He wanted to give Drew Locke a chance a little bit. That last drive, uh, <laughs> I'll just go through it. First and ten at the Denver twenty-five, down five points, sixty-four seconds on the clock. Uh, incomplete pass, holding. So now it is first and twenty from the Denver fifteen. But that incomplete pass. I know there was a penalty, but it could have been intercepted. We should throw that in. Then Drew Locke passed incomplete short middle to Jerry Judy. Also could have been intercepted. Now That's it's, the Mike Helton one, right? Now it's second and 20 from the Denver 15. Drew Locke sacked for minus nine yards. Now it's third and 29 at the Denver 6. Drew Locke short pass right to Jerry Judy. Pushed out of bounds. Nine-yard gain. Penalty on Cincinnati offside. So it's third and 24. Drew Locke throws into coverage. Jerry Judy incomplete. Fourth and 24. Drew Locke throws it 27 yards out of bounds. Game over. I, I just want one of the Drew Locke people that are Broncos fans to come to my Twitter feed and say, you know what? Respectfully, I apologize for all the mean things I said. You were right about Drew Locke. Just one of you can speak for the entire Broncos way. That would be uh, That's all know, I ask. a next level step by them. I mean, I think we lost some Drew Locke people when he appeared earlier in the season was a total disaster. Too. Yeah, it's like all the... You know, Teddy, Teddy had one of his worst games of the season before going out to injury, unfortunately. But we've seen uh, what happens when Teddy leaves. Uh, they would not be 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, They would be 4-10. and ten, But in the end, I don't know if there's much of a difference other than they're going to have a worse draft pick because they, they needed this game. we got to keep moving. So I don't want yeah, to get into the Teddy culture wars. No, we don't need to. But if they had someone better than Teddy, they'd probably be 10-4 and four and we wouldn't be talking about Vic no, Maggio. No, I'm not sta- – well, yeah, but how do you find someone better? It's like Aaron Rodgers is someone better. We know. know. All right. You know, it's like who, who are they going to get? Again, I – Who are they, they We don't need to. Let's move on. Empty backfield. Tua. We got it for a touchdown. One-on-one, Devontae Parker on a post pattern, gets inside for the touchdown. That was Jimmy Cephalo, WQAM. Devontae Parker caught an 11-yard touchdown pass from Tua Tunga Bailoa with 3.37 to play. The Dolphins extend their winning streak to six games by topping the Jets 31-24 at Hard Rock. Duke Johnson, that's your boy, Mark. He ran for 107 yards and Not really. two touchdowns. And the defense held the Jets to three first downs in the second half. That's good. Kind of my boy. As Miami continued to feast on its ridiculously soft schedule. Weird game. Tua was miserable at the onset. It it was like him and Zach Wilson had been in some type of uh, body switch comedy. He threw uh, interception. He uh, threw another couple balls up for grabs. He had a fumble. And the Jets weren't able to really uh, push it, uh, take it to him, but they were up 10-0, the Jets, in this game. And they had a lead for the first time at halftime. But Tua got things back on track. The Dolphins took control of the game, both in the trenches and with Tua uh, making some nice passes downfield. They get the game under control. They go from down 17-7 to up 24-17, and then Tua makes another terrible mistake, uh, throws a pick six that ties the game up, and yet you never felt in the fourth quarter, even 24-24, that the Dolphins were in any real danger because the Jets' offense, after a promising start, completely went to bed. Miami's defense took complete control of the game, and to Tua's credit, in an up-and-down day, he did lead them down the field for that go-ahead score. Cut to fourth and eleven. Uh, fourth and ten for the Jets on the last possession of the game. And Zach Wilson throws a nine-yard pass short of the sticks, and that's how it ends. So 
Dolphins become the second team in NFL history to get to seven and seven after starting at one and seven. Wow. Um, and we well, we will see if this ends with a playoff berth, but I guess I still want to see it against some real competition, but they deserve a ton of credit, so that's not an easy thing to do. This, what happened with the Jets? Uh, like, this happened twice now in the last three weeks where Zach Wilson, everyone is loving what he did in the first half. Like, they come out pretty fast, but then I saw 54 yards, only three first downs in the second half. It seems like a trend with him that he has put together, like, half games. Like, you look at the numbers, they're yes. not terrible in this game, but then it, it didn't stay. He Yeah, the first couple of drives, he was on target. He was going through his progressions. And then, I have to say, the offensive line got completely destroyed in the last, I'd say, two and a half quarters of the game and put him in a bad spot. He was running for his life uh, a lot. So I don't know how much to put on Wilson, but I will say that it might be a coaching situation. I thought Michael Floor had a really it's not it's not him. I thought Michael Floor had a really interesting, fun first half. It was like a kitchen sink thing where he had all these trick plays he was emptying emptying out, and some of them were working. And then the a switch got flipped for the Dolphins and Brian Flores with that defense, and they just absolutely dominated from that point. So, yeah, I can't really make sense of it other than to say that I think LaFleur had a good game plan early but wasn't able to adjust once Miami did. Miami's in the wrong conference because you win six straight games in the NFC. It's like, punch, punch my playoff ticket. But despite winning all these games, they're still only 11th. Uh, in the conference, and, and yes, they're only one game back, and they can certainly make it if they win out, but that's probably what it'll take, and they're at New Orleans, not a gimme, at Tennessee and New England. So you, you've been waiting, Dan, to kind of see them against better teams. I think like their pass rush is something that will travel. It's it's legit. It took a little while to get going, but the coaching and the players combined, like week after week, they are just mauling people up front. But I'm curious, as you are, uh, to see how Tua and the offense, uh, who didn't have Jalen Waddell today, will look against some better defenses, and they're about to play pretty good defense. I mean, they gave up row. 55 points over five games before coming into this, and I know what the schedule is what it is, but their defense was legitimate last year under Brian Flores. It is again. I'm with you, Dan, though, that there aren't a lot of things to point to and say mm. the ceiling is here the way we look at the Colts. The schedule set, even, you know, they're out of this insanely soft portion now. Uh, but you say they're in the wrong conference. Well, they got the Jets twice and the Texans once in the six-game stretch. Uh, and then out-of-conference games included the Giants right. and Panthers, two of the I very just worst mean, teams. Yeah, I just mean, like, They've been seven and well. seven in the NFC, you're in right, right now. Um, and in the AFC, you're buried But do I think, like, 12. the Saints or Titans the next two weeks are, are bad matchups for them? I don't. So I mm. think they have a chance to really get sneak into the playoffs. They don't like their chances once they got to postseason play, but – Man, that it's been. Why was Duke Johnson, nice by the way, uh, on the street? Twenty three for one forty seven. This guy can always play good. on third downs. I'm not saying he's like the best player ever, but like receptions from running back since he's entered the league, he's in like the top three players in the NFL. So there must be something else. He's, going he's on. always had know. those numbers that like he that project him to be more than he is. Frankly, that's all. Well, I just, just think to, he's just to be a guy. He does live in this. I saw um, live in the same. I believe like a apartment complex type of thing uh, as 
Tua Tungavailo, which gets to one of my my favorite uh, Adam Leviton theories, mm-hmm. which is like the neighbor theory. He he does little thing. He has like the shower narrative. Like if guys showered together in college, they always have nice big fantasy numbers together. But also the neighbor nice big fantasies. Yeah, yeah, the neighbor narrative. If like because Tua was saying how they they see each other, you know, kind of like going out to get sure get water, pick up the I like mail. That. And I'd like that to hear more out. from Adam Leviton on his various <laughs> theories. That. That's intriguing to me. <laughs> All right, let's check in with the other moribund New York franchise. Second and goal at the one. McEwen motion. It's New Jersey. Right. Don't no you forget it. Motion. Play fake. Prescott looks right, looks left, throws it in the end zone, caught. Touchdown to Dalton Schultz. Brad Sham, the Sham God. KRLD with the call. Uh, Drew Press- Drew, uh, Dak Prescott threw just one touchdown pass, that going to Dalton Schultz. But that was enough for the Cowboys, who rode their defense to a 21-6 win over who exist mostly in theory at this point. The Cowboys' defense forced four turnovers for the third straight game. Uh, but, Greg, how would you feel about this uh, perplexing offense? Same. This, is a, this was the Uh-oh. ultimate just re- repeat of their last four weeks. Uh-oh. It's like, remember, it felt like the, the Chiefs were in the same game every week for yeah. about a month. That's the Cowboys. Hmm. Demarcus Lawrence and Dak Prescott made a bet of some sort. Hmm. Maybe it was just sort of an honor, you know, because they're not officially allowed, hmm. that the defense would force more turnovers than the Cowboys offense scored touchdowns. Hmm. And Demarcus Lawrence won. Big w. Largely because of Demarcus Lawrence, who was an absolute beast. Maybe that's the slightly newish narrative out of this. He's been good the last few weeks since returning, but he absolutely took over this game uh, for a big chunk of it and just – if he's peaking and Parsons is peaking, sure. that's crazy. Trayvon Diggs had his 10th interception. Uh, Gregory had a big return last week. They have so many pieces on defense that I just I struggle. I don't know if it's just because we were so used to looking at the Cowboys as this, like, offense first juggernaut. Like, I'm struggling cognitively to kind of make this process that they're now going to make a playoff run on the backs of their defense. Is that just where we're going now? Well, I, I think that, that- – Wait, wanting any of these teams just to ride their defense to the Super Bowl, I mean, that feels tricky because when their offense was special, it felt totally unstoppable. And it, it maybe just it is what it is at this point. Well, they they're like it, they really are just like the Chiefs. I think earlier in the year, and I think they're just glad to be banking wins while they're struggling offensively, and they they almost have to know that their offense has to be a lot better for them to go where they want. They are ten and four. Uh, and that's pretty amazing if you think back to the beginning of the season. We did not expect them to be 10-4, much less with Dak Prescott struggling this week. 41 dropbacks against this Giants defense, which is like no great shakes. 202 <laughs> net yards. You bring it back no great no shakes? No great shakes is back, <laughs> bring baby. it back. They didn't yeah, have a play no over 20. Shakes, they didn't have a play over 20 yards. The Giants with Mike Glennon, who had 99 yards passing and three interceptions. And then Jake <laughs> Fromm, who came into the game late, oh, nice. actually had more yards per play than the Dallas Cowboys in this game. And that's, that's just weird. Yeah. And the Cowboys ran the ball well. So that narrative, forget about that. It was it was all about their passing Zeke game. said he was feeling healthier going into this game. Did he look a little better? He went 16 for 52. He looked, okay. he looked fine. Uh, Lamb dropped two or three passes, which would have helped. But Cooper had five targets for eight yards. Like... It's just not there right now. So now, yeah, we have the. They are the mirror version, I guess, of Kansas City, or at least before the last couple of weeks. And that's, I don't know, that's slightly underwhelming as a football fan. I like the Cowboys when they were the shoot it out offense, but this works too, I guess. They're going to win the division. They, 
they're not going to, you know, Philadelphia is not going to catch up with them. So if you look at the Cowboys schedule, you know, it's all in the division and it's, they're not out of it for the one seed, as crazy as it is, because they're going to be favorites in their next three games. And, and if they could get a little help from from Green Bay and Tampa, who knows? The they are a rock-solid lock to get taken out in January. Oh, wow. definitely. Wait, I thought you were giving up on take. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. only, they will lose only... in the playoffs. <laughs> okay, well, that's... It's not that bold. Yeah, I guess... I'm not I... even suggesting it's that's bold. That's true of every team except for one. I was wrong. It's not all in the division. They do play the Cardinals in Week 17. Wow, this Cardinals schedule down the stretch really sets up for them to kind of be in the crosshairs. Uh-oh. All right, let us now move to the 49ers. We're looking to keep their momentum going. 40 seconds to go. Moving in motion, Jeff Wilson Jr. It's a handoff to Debo out of the dead pool. Gets wide left. Touchdown! San Francisco! I love it, Greg Papa. Yeah, Papa. Can BR with the call. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 235 yards and a TD. It's a very Jimmy Garoppolo line. And San Francisco ran for three more scores, including yet another Debo Samuel scamper that you heard there. Niners won for the fifth time in six games, beating the Falcons 31-13. Mark, nice take-care-of-business win over a fraudulent Falcons operation. Yeah, you said it felt like what we've seen from Debo, and it felt like what we've seen from the Niners during this hot streak that they're on. Um, A little bit of a slow start. Then they scored on five straight drives, including four straight touchdown drives. And the difference here... Early on was their defense. Um, Nick Bosa was awesome in this game. Left for a little bit with a presumed concussion, but came back in. They shut down the Falcons three times inside of San Francisco's 10-yard line. Uh, they also recovered a fumble at one point. Um, they, they just they, To me, this was what you look at with the Niners and say, you can project them as a playoff team and feel comfortable with what they are. George Kittle had a George Kittle game. Debo Samuel did what he did. And Jimmy G, when you get a game like this where he's not turning the ball over and turning uh, Kyle Shanahan's face beat red, uh, (laughs) you're fine. I mean, the Falcons, we know that they came into this with the last in team DVOA, a little bit suspect, not their record. They looked like it today. They couldn't protect Matt Ryan. They couldn't get anything done. Hmm. They've been pretty steady. I know they got lucky last week against the Bengals somewhat, but they are 5-1 and in their last six, you know, with some pretty good wins in there, Rams, Bengals, you you stomp out the Falcons, which is what you're supposed to do. But I hate that term, like the team you don't want to play in the playoffs. But they they certainly feel like a team. They deserve a seat at the table, right? Absolutely. Then they, right. But they also feel like a team that could that could compete or beat any team sure. in the NFC. I they they were the like I would want to get away from them and get to whoever is taking that seven seed. This is what I want in a wild card team. You know, they're they're frisky. They can get hot. They have some exciting players. Uh, make that first weekend as fun as possible. Mark, because I have a bye in my fantasy playoffs, I didn't have to struggle through a Falcons game looking at Kyle Pitts as an inevitable march to four for 38. Where did he finish this week? (laughs) Four for 77. Ooh, 77? Yeah, he had a big play, like a 50-yarder or so. Okay, no touchdown, though. No touchdown. I, I was monitoring this. Debo is back at a wide receiver, four for sixty as a That's wide. That's good. Out. Mark, Mark, Mark called for that, so and then rightfully so on Friday yeah. on the broadcast on Saturday. But which, by the way, the around the NFL broadcast, there's some pop going on right now. There's some heat both behind the scenes and in the Twitterverse. People are into the show. They love the rebranding of it. They think that it's really uh, it's captured the spirit of the podcast, hasn't it, Greg? It's, I think it's captured <laughs> the spirit of America at this time when. 
Omicron is just going across the country. Like, people are wondering, where can they turn to? Well, they know on Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> Check us out. We're there for you. We will be there for you. Probably. At that time. We are here for you guys. They might take us out of the studio. No, they've been good shows. They've been but fun. We will be. They are. They're different than the podcast, but they're like the podcast. Yes, somehow at the same time. Check it out. Yes, uh, every Saturday, and you could also check it out on Game Pass. And Ricky, right? People have access to it on YouTube as well. That's right. It streams live on YouTube and then stays up on the main NFL YouTube. And how do they find it? Just type in what? Yeah, if you go to the main NFL YouTube page, uh, it'll pop up as like being streaming live. Uh, I think it's 10 a.m. Pacific, yep. which is 1 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, and, and then 8. Something like that. 6, 5. All our blokes and yeah. blokeettes out in the and UK and beyond. Then they put it up pretty soon after that. <laughs> yeah, so you can have a pint and uh, enjoy the show on a, on a Friday. That sounds nice. For sure. Um, all right. Let us take a break, and then we will wrap this thing up. Blokeettes. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't work. What is it? It's blokes and... Well, I don't know what they would. You're saying what? It, what is a female version of bloke? Yeah, in the uh, UK and surrounding territories. Well, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to well, say you, that you I know. Have, you have that, you know, territory. I was like four years old when I lived there. I wasn't yeah, but it made, calling people I mean, bloke. It's clearly made blokes. such a huge Ricky, impression. On while me. we well. while we dig into this awesome Houston Jacks game, if if you were a gravedigger could find the female expression for bloke over there, that would be great. Maybe a bird. Is it like a? I'm not saying a, that that's like what a you. Brenda or something? That, no, that's Australian. Ooh, Bert, Sheila, think, you're thinking Sheila. of Australia. <laughs> Sheila. I think Bird would would be it. It is Sheila, actually. That, but that's a that that's, that's also British. I thought that would be Australian. Down the old brick road. Or a lass. A lass. North England. Sounds I don't know what Irish. you're. I mean, maybe these are you know. All right, out let's of touch. Who knows? All right, let's let's hit the game that everybody's been waiting for. Third down. And nine. We're going to get a million tweets about that, so some regrets, but we're going to... Don't tag me. Has the first down and more, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, rock and roll, touchdown, Houston, Brandon Cooks to the house. Something about that rock and roll one. It's like a play-by-play guy from 1987. I like it. It's kind of throwback. Mark Vandermeer with the call, K-I-L-T. If only the Texans could play the Jaguars every week. David Culley's team completed the season sweep of its division rival with a 30-16 win at the big chlorine tank in Duval. It was the Jags' first game without the deposed Urban Meyer, proving definitively he was not the problem in Jacksonville and should see every penny of the five-year deal he signed with the team. That's business. Interesting. That is business. Mark, everything I said is correct, yes? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd go so far as to huddle. Um, if your team ownership, team brass, to say he's not the problem, maybe we, maybe we bring him back, right. via culpa, ah. and start this over. Fired with cause? How about cause for apology, the results that we saw today in Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, it, it might have helped today. Um, you know, this is the rare game. Quick where... on this one, Mark. Huh? Quick on this one. I'll be quick if you'd like. How quick do you want me to be? I don't know. How about a little, like, 30-second synopsis? How about a little love for Brandon Cooks, who's, you know, been – it's sort of been a hostage scenario for him in Houston, but a 100-yard game today. Uh, he's been he's kind been of – He's very good. He's been their yeah. dude week after week. Davis Mills, who started last week 14 for 14, opened 13 for 15 today. Mm, so I'm telling awesome. you, like, I don't know. Obviously, they're going to have bigger plans, and they could – they could have a whole new coaching staff after this season. Their GM gave like a vote of no confidence a couple mm. weeks ago. So TBD. Um, but 
Davis Mills gives you a lot to think about in terms of not a lot. Does but he? It gives you something yeah. to think about because he's not been a disaster. I mean, I think it's a, you got you found your solid number two, but that's not the worst he's thing. Been to okay. Have. He's been okay, but it's like he's, he's been as I mean, just in terms of his performance, he's been as good or better than Trevor Lawrence and and Zach Wilson. There's no question. Yeah, I don't think the degree of difficulty with what they're having them do um, merits they also some of these showed fourteen some, for fourteen. Showed some starts. faith in him. They let him throw only up a touchdown on third and log late in that game. Heard the buzzer, and right? people All right, we're like, out of here. people were surprised. It was almost like the coaches were a little surprised because it, it got a little rainy during game? the game. I, I kept an it, eye on it. it. It was a rainstorm during the game, but you might have known a little earlier in the week that it was going to rain all over Jacksonville because the Houston Texans don't disrespect them as big-time underdogs. The rainmaker brings the rain. Brings it. How do we not have the graphic out, Ricky? Where's we don't the, need, where's we the don't need that horrific graphic. Did he tell you not to use it? No, there I it didn't is. Say anything. We're back here again. Hey, Mark, you got to give it up when the rainmaker brings. I mean, they the want to deliver too. I mean, he if, you, if you if you want to. And by the way, I, I threw another one out uh, yeah. during that show, and that was the Bills covering, which also came. We I asked so Ricky to, to check the uh, file on that, and you weren't clear. Really, you were a little bit like, "Oh, you give said, it to the rainmaker." You said Bills by forty. And you were like, well, I, I said the Bills co- to well. cover. That's Bills cover. Okay, yeah, we're Bills just trying to parse the language yeah, yeah. of the Rainmaker, but that okay, that makes sense. It's yeah. just Rainmaker lexicon. They, they barely yeah, did. It came down to the last uh, play, but that that's two and zero. That's a nice. Another moment. one got moved, but the Texans was the one I really felt in my you heart. Know, Everyone got all cute with like, oh, Urban Meyer is gone. That's worth uh, points. Uh, not so much when that. you're going against. Davis Mills. <laughs> you actually said that about. Well, Urban it was a Meyer. fact. Like right, the, well, the the spread moved. Okay. Do you know a part of the this Pat McAfee uh, empire that's been built has <laughs> been built on the back of him getting very involved with the sports betting and his listeners cashing in on the McAfee predictions. We can get our listeners rich off the rain. <laughs> this is not what we want to be. Um, I thought we attempted endorsing. that last time. Right. We we are not. Well, the uh, Rainmaker hit an unfortunate drought, if you recall, <laughs> and that's what led to the end of the Rainmaker. But if he's on a hot streak. Ride that He's on a heater. But, well, the key, the I, key know, for all these is there's no accountability. You only talk about it when you win. Hey, when hey, you win, pay for Christmas. Get behind the rainmaker right now, because he is on a heater. Right. What happened last time was a couple families were put out on the street during Christmas because they did what you're asking. <laughs> exactly. And they I don't came want to anyone. Greg, and did Greg lift anyone. a finger to help anyone? No. It's you just like, you know, then it's, no, it's your adult. You're making two your and own decision. Although we got the eagle. No, the eagles don't retire now. It's a worst case two and one, but yeah. Got the Eagles coming up, but this this was the one that I, was near and dear to my. Well, you're heart. saying you're going to walk away from the Rainmaker. Well, we'll see if it's any catching if fire. Any, if I don't any, think you can. If any, you know, are, feel I, if I feel this was one of my favorite of the year. Heavy underdogs to the, the worst offense. They, Mark said it. One of, the worst offense he's seen in about five years. That's true. Getting I rid said of since Urban, 1986. Right. It, getting rid of Urban Meyer doesn't doesn't solve that in one uh, one week. That's How about all. an act of like altruism? Just you want to help our listeners pay for well, races, right. college, I uh, don't prep feel... school, uh, Christmas. Have you uh, seen my locks record? I'm, I don't feel confident enough. Um, yeah, but this is know. different. This is, is a special skill of different. yours. It's a it special talent. Well, what are some other things we could be paying for? Uh, leisure. I leisure, mean, next level leisure. Night at the pub. Multiple nights at a pub while staying upstairs Maybe in, a, like in a bed and a Honeymoon vacation. Maybe like a new Second outfit because when you, when you look good, you feel good. And Very when good. you feel good, you play good. New I mean, we, you could someone like, our, you know, the gravedigger has extra expenses that are cropping up. You could pay for those types of extra expenses. 
Well, we don't talk about that. I said it in a roundabout way. Yeah, but we, he had he had asked respectfully. Erica has expenses that I don't even know how to drill down to, but I'm sure that they're that you have a lot of lush hobbies. What is that? That, co- <laughs> that costs money? I don't know. He pivoted to you. That yeah. was a weird um, yeah, that was strange. little moment. I'm right. just listing things that might cost money. But congr- congratulations, Rainmaker, because <laughs> you're feeling it and you're lighting up the wallets and purses Stop. of all the Stop blokes and lasses. Across the way. All right, Sunday night football. Oh, Sunday night. Third and ten, four down territory, of course. Brady pressure. Escapes. And throws with the run. He's intercepted. Gardner Johnson cuts underneath. They've turned Brady over twice. Eight interceptions in these regular season matchups the last two years with the Saints. And the New Orleans Saints are knocking on the door of a headline grabbing win. In Tampa against the Jacks. Mike Tirico, who, by the way, could not have set this conversation up any better. He just does that on the cuff, off the cuff. He just nailed it. And as his partner, Chris Collinsworth, soon followed up with, Ha-ha, nobody likes sticking out their tongue more than C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which was kind of a weird take. <laughs> anyway, speaking of weird, Saints 9, Buccaneers 0. That was the final score of Sunday Night Football in Tampa. The Saints shut out a Bucks team that was besieged by injuries uh, to Chris Godwin, to Mike Evans. Both exited the game with injuries, uh, knee and hamstring, to Leonard Fournette, to a hamstring. And what was left was not nearly good enough. When Tom Brady is trying to target Tyler Johnson, and Scotty Miller, it just wasn't playing, boys. And then you give it to Kashawn Vaughn, who can't do anything, the former third-round pick. Add it all up, and it was one of the more frustrating nights of Tom Brady's career, at least in the regular season. It was, and it was like a moment that I'm glad the Saints defense and the Saints team had. And maybe we'll continue to have over the next few weeks. We talked about the 49ers are like that team you want to see maybe in the six. How about the Saints as like the seven seed that really isn't going to yeah. make any noise, but it's fu- this is I get a two lane guy, but uh, okay, here's how four seven <laughs> seeds and have them all play off. To okay. We say we want seeders. diversity. This Saints defense to see them have a night like this. And I, I get it. The injuries are what they were for the bucks They They were three and zero against the bucks with Tom Brady, uh, before these injuries, those injuries didn't start till midway through the third quarter. They had four. They had stopped them four times at that point too. So yeah, maybe they don't hold them to zero. But Cam Jordan's getting after it early. Marcus Davenport. That secondary's wild. This stat to me explains why the Saints, in some ways, are like the 2021 team more than any team. They are four and zero right now against the teams. As of right now, that rank in the top four of current Super Bowl. They're odds. coming for the Vikings in this conversation. Right. So I the, like this. Okay, the four. Okay, they they have played the teams that are the top four in current Got Super it. Bowl winning odds. They are four and zero against those teams. <laughs> They're three and seven against everyone else. There you go. There well, you go. Well, I mean, you know, and it, it, it does matter that there's no Sean Payton. Um, it says a lot about. Does me. it? I don't know. I feel well, like every time a head coach misses a game, his team wins. I think they're like seven and zero in those situations. <laughs> I just, just that Sean Payton is a difference maker, but Dennis Allen. Um, did an incredible job this evening. I mean, Cam Jordan stacked on the same side as Marcus Davenport caused total chaos. And I thought that the defensive backfield was super sticky. I'm with Greg. I mean, yes, I know the injuries occurred, 
I don't think it mattered. I mean, they made up for a Saints offense that had nine drives down the stretch that went for less than 20 yards, and most of those went for less than five yards. I mean, they were put back on the field over and over, and this is a situation where it's like, we wanted to know, did they, do they have Tom Brady's number? Do they have this offense's number? Yes. Had the injuries not occurred, would this have been maybe 10-9? Would they have lost? I don't know. I don't care. I don't we'll they got know. the job done. I, th- I think it like did this, matter. I, I mean, big time. Because it matters, but they were of course, thumping but, them to but, start. Of course it matters. But the Saints, Saints fans and the Saints don't want to hear about injuries mattering. Like, this team has been decimated by injuries throughout the course of the season. They had to keep playing. And even tonight, they didn't have either of their top two Pro Bowl tackles. So I'm just saying, like... Well, the, they, the tweet they, of the night was from Dat Boy Wolf. Here it is, his quote. I don't want to hear about Bucks injuries. But we out here throwing passes to Amazon delivery drivers. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. they they have absolutely. I mean, that, was, that was partly their own doing by drafting yes. uh, and and developing before the injuries delivery drivers for the Bucks. Punt, punt, punt. Missed field goal. Punt, punt. Then it started to happen. It's like it wasn't right. like there was but, any electricity early. Okay, I hear that, and the the. Saints deserve all the credit for their defense and how it played. But once you lost your top two wide receivers and you're missing Antonio Brown, so now you're missing your top three wide receivers and you're missing Leonard Fournette, who has been sneaky, the most important part of that offense this year, besides Tom Brady. And you take all those guys out of the mix when it became time for the Tom Brady to do magical Tom Brady stuff. It just felt completely impossible because he was, he turned into Ryan Tannehill and, and Brady obviously a superior player to Tannehill. But once again, it shows you uh, when you take a quarterback, no matter how good he is and you take away all his weapons an offense is going to suffer, especially against a good defense like new Orleans who really got after him. Right. They, they didn't, the bucks offensive line, which has been so good all year. Brady's barely been touched, did not win that battle. They came out wanting to throw. When everyone was healthy, they threw 11 straight times to start the game, and he was getting hit then, and and he he wasn't getting enough first downs then. He had that interception, you know, late, of course. He had the fumble when they were in position for a field goal. I mean, they could have scored points here. They missed the field goal. They had a two-minute drive uh, at the end of the first half that also – uh, got stymied. They threw it to Rob Gronkowski. Brady did 11 times. And I, I, Gronk is having an amazing season, but he's nice as a compliment. He had two catches out of those 11 uh, targets and at least three drops where he could have either come away with the ball or he wasn't paying attention on one that was in his bread basket would have put him on that first and goal in the two. That was a huge miss. Like they, yeah. they also did not come through in, in some key moments. And it, it's a massive win because I think the Saints – now really have a, a real chance, a good chance to go get that seven seed, which I didn't totally see coming into this game. And Tom Brady's MVP case, and more importantly, ta- Tampa's uh, chances to get the one seed take a big hit. They're not done yet, but they take a big hit. I mean, everyone's MVP you know, campaign seems to take a big hit the minute we start to mention Not Aaron Rodgers. Couple- He's played awesome for four straight He's weeks. in the driver's seat now. He's in the driver's no doubt seat. About him, it. And, well, him and Taylor and Brady. Remember after me, week one three. with Aaron Rodgers? Like, we were, what, you know, what's happened to this human being? He's not the same guy. I mean, I just, I'm impressed with the Saints defense that, <laughs> well, that has to mask <laughs> over an offense that was also without both of its tackles, an offense that had 12 plays and sure. 14 yards in the third quarter. I mean, that can break a defense when you have to keep going back out there over and over. They absolutely play with no fear against Brady. I mean, they're up in his face, 
And it's the one team, I think Dennis Allen has done a better job coaching against Tom Brady than any coordinator in the league in the last couple of years. Oh, there's no doubt. They, they, they I see with... Dan not liking this. No, though, I just want to, but... I don't want to be the devil's advocate on this one, but uh, somebody has to say it that Taysom Hill can't really play. No, he can't. So that's a problem. And as much as we want to see, some of us want to see the Saints in the playoffs. I have, from what I've seen personally in these, what is it, four starts now, is a guy who's exactly suited to where he was previously in his career as a gadget player. And when you put him out there as the quarterback, it's just not, it's not happening. I, his, 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 the people around him and the offensive the, line matters, of course. But if you're asking him to win big games in December and January, I just don't see it. That's true. <laughs> I mean, they, they scored nine points. Now they're going to play the Dolphins, Panthers, and Falcons. None of those Ooh, that's nice. are W's. You know, automatically, one that Dolphins games on Monday night, none of those are L's. That's just who this Saints team is. But I think with Hill, if they can, especially if they can get the offensive line healthy again, I I think he makes sense just for the style of play that they're that they have, and no quarterback would be succeeding. They clearly just went into this season with a huge mistake without getting enough pass catchers. I mean, they just don't have guys who can make a play. Nick Vanette, make a play. Troutman, make a play. I thought Hill in the first half of this game threw the ball pretty well. You know? Well, like, get in sync with Alvin Kamara. That would help. It's a the bar. Michael Thomas situation played out. That was a huge setback for but this they season They needed another well. guy, too. I agree with you on that. Mark, final word to you on this Sunday night masterpiece. <laughs> what would you like me to say? I don't know. I've got a final. I, know, I, totally, I know Greg has one. Greg always watch. has one in the chamber. But I, I was wondering, maybe Mark has one in the chamber. I absolutely come away from this game thinking Certain that about. the Saints. Well, I know Sean Payton wasn't there, but he was my coach of the year guy for so long. And I just think that they're one of the best run mm. teams out there. And to do this three times, four times to Tom Brady in a couple of seasons is pretty impressive. I agree. Stevens has a little something special sauce you can't measure when you watch just the energy. But that's not my last one. My, la- my last final one thought. Greg has is, two final thoughts. My last and then he's going to have a third and a fourth. The, the best actor <laughs> award for the 2021 season goes to Bruce Arians over the last three weeks when he kept answering questions about Antonio Brown and said, well, we're not sure yet. We haven't made that call. <laughs> yeah, uh, You made that call well before uh, you saw your receivers go down tonight. There was confirmed now that he will be coming back on the team, Antonio Brown. Brown, but there was no situation where they were ever getting rid of this guy, and tonight was a reminder. Well, especially why. now. And also, he's acting because also it's not his decision. It's Tommy's decision. Tommy boy. Right. Tom and he have a bunk bed in Tom's bedroom where Tom Brady <laughs> sleeps on the top bunk and Antonio and Brown sleeps on the like, bottom bunk. It's the size of the bunk beds that my sons Jack and Harry share. Sure. It's so the only bunk bed size they sell. Their legs hang over the end, and they just talk each other to sleep and tell stories and giggle. And then eventually, guys, that's enough. We don't want you cranky in the morning. Come on now. Who's saying that? Mom and dad. Okay, I'm struggling to figure out who the mom and dad is in Tom Brady's house, but fair enough. Think about it. I'm going to. Okay, that gives you something to think about. <laughs> All right, we're, uh, we're done. Um, final thoughts go wrong. Get me out of here. <laughs> um, that is the week. Well, it's not even full, obviously. we got four more games. This is, this is a different week. Obviously, it's Christmas week, and... Uh, that's fun, and we love that. But it's also football week in a big spot. So we had uh, one game Saturday. We had one game Thursday. We had one game Saturday. We had 10 games Sunday. We'll have two games Monday, and we'll have two games on Tuesday. Is that all right? 
Yeah, and then another game on Thursday. Another game on Thursday. And two games on Saturday, which is Christmas. Two it's games eight on out Saturday. of ten nights of primetime NFL football. It's like if you wanted to know what it would be like if football, as your favorite sport, which fits so well that when your work week was done, there was a game on your weekend. Now you know what what it's like <laughs> if it were baseball and it were every night of the week. This is uh, this reminds me of Peter Schrager was texting us this weekend and mentioned that his son, his young son, I think he's five years old, watches every around the NFL broadcast uh, in the morning, which is pretty amazing. What pop. And uh, he said that he, he has takes from watching our show. And one of them is that Mark hates the schedule. Well, the 17, the nature of the 17 game <laughs> schedule and Peter Schrager mentioned that his wife agreed. So I've got two thirds of the family. Peter did not. Peter respects Greg the most. We know that. He's, He's made on that record clear. there. I mean, that was so, years ago. He might, perhaps might did not respect my now. take, but his wife and child do. All right. Good stuff. Perhaps he does respect it. I don't know. Why am I still talking? End the show. Anyway, we'll Get have a show, a Tuesday night show, recapping the four games left to go. And then a th- Thursday preview. A little different schedule, yeah. And then a Friday, Saturday TV show. It's all there. Until then, heed the call. <laughs> 